Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. I want to share a story today, and I haven't been able to get off of this story because I see myself in this story. And we've been going through 1 John together, and I get to this place in 1 John that I really want to unpack, and it leads me into the story that I've been stuck at for a month that just reminds me of me. And so I, I want to share that with you guys, and I want to share with you from the bottom of my heart, like this is the guy that I feel like I'm connected to right now, and I'm experiencing the love of Jesus through this guy named Nicodemus. We got your scripture. We're going to be in uh, John chapter 3, and then we're going to flip over to 1 John 1. But I want to preface this, and I want to title this message today, Say Yes to Jesus. So simple, say yes to Jesus. And I've walked with people for a long time, and I've just done this for a long time, you know, and most people's idea of walking with Jesus, here's the, here's the replies I get. Maybe y'all get the same, okay? Especially when they find out you're a pastor. That word is like a curse word to some people. I've said that before. But it's amazing that as soon as they find out the line of work or that I go to church or that I, I love Jesus, they'll instantly go to, my life, you know what? I really need to get back and doing some things that I should be doing, you know? Anybody, you know what I mean? You start getting your life straightened out and people are like, man, I really need to kind of get it on together, you know? I really need to be back in church, but I just, you know, just got really busy, you know? Or I get, man, you know what? I've just started back into that and I'm, I'm not drinking as much sometimes. <laughs> I'm not, I don't curse anymore. And they go into the works idea of, man, my life is better. Be I'm really doing better, man. Believe me. And today we're going to look at a guy who was invited to say yes, who wasn't the typical guy you would look at and say, man, this guy needs Jesus. You know what I mean? Like we all got friends that were like, yo, they need Jesus, right? Anybody got a friend like, you need Jesus? Like three of us. But they're like, this is a guy you would have looked at and said, man, that guy is unlike any guy I've ever met. And I don't know about you, but I've had moments in my life where people have said, man, like that guy is unlike any guy I've ever met. And inside I got, they don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know my deepest thoughts. But man, I'm far worse than you could have ever imagined. But God has brought me to this place where I'm far worse than you could have ever imagined, but I know I'm more loved than I could have ever dreamed. And that's the beautiful truth that is transforming my life more and more. And many of us in this room are being transformed more and more to understand that truth. And today we're going to talk about a guy who I believe actually said yes to Jesus. And so let's look at that together. John chapter 3, and then let's say yes to the king. All right, you got it? John 3, I'm going to start in verse 3. And I'm going to read to verse uh, 15, okay? There was a man named Nicodemus, 
a Jewish religious teacher who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I want to pause right here for a second. So when it says that Nicodemus is a religious ruler, a Pharisee, here's what that means about this guy. This guy has lived life and he's older. You couldn't become a ruler, a religious ruler, unless you were up in age, okay? So he's older. Also means that he's very wealthy. And here's what the Pharisees did. As I studied this, they lived according to the Mosaic law, which was Moses' law. You, many of you guys heard about the Ten Commandments. Anybody know about Ten Commandments? Come on. Yep, we know about the Ten Commandments. But the Pharisees actually added to the Ten Commandments. So, for instance, they had something they called the Midrash. Sounds like need some ointment for something, you know what I mean? But <laughs> the Midrash was another subset of laws that actually explained the Ten Commandments. So, for instance, the fourth commandment, which was keep the Sabbath day holy, Nicodemus would have been adhering to the Midrash, no ointment needed, but adhering to the Midrash that had 37 other sub-laws sub to help you understand what it meant to keep the Sabbath day holy, including how many steps you could take on a day. Now, listen, here's what motivated a guy like that. God is so holy we want to live the most holy life possible. Now listen, if you knew somebody who lived their life like that in like the most strict way, but did it for an extended amount of time, can you imagine? Has anybody tried to follow God like on a strict way for about a week? Like you put your mind to something, you'd be like, God, if you do this, then I'll do this, right? And you do it for about a week, and then after a week, you're like, did I really say that? Did you, you know? <laughs> this guy would have lived this way in front of people for years. And if he didn't, he would have been pulled from his post and sent out and shunned. This guy is the best guy you could have ever imagined. Think about that. Clean, 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 cleaner than you could ever imagine. This is what it means to be a religious ruler and a Pharisee. And then think about what Jesus just said to this guy, okay? Let's look at that one more time. Jesus replied, I'll tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What was he saying to Nicodemus? Do you know what he was saying to Nicodemus? He was saying, everything you've done up to this point matters nothing. Can you imagine? Put yourself in that place. Live his life for a moment. Go for years, not weeks, years. Not 21 days like we start out every year, you know, prayer and fasting for 21. This guy pretty much lives that for years, and Jesus looks at him and says, I'm going to tell you the truth. What you've done up to this point matters nothing. You need to restart, refresh. That's crazy, y'all. Jesus' teachings are so radical. 
And if your idea of the Jesus life is that you don't drink and you don't smoke and you don't do this and you don't do this and you sometimes do this and it's all about what you do and you perform, then you need to hear the words of Jesus today. Sir, daughter, you must be born again. You need a refresh. You need a refresh. You need a refresh. I believe today is a day of refresh. Let's hit refresh button. Let's keep going for a second. Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. Another version says flesh produces flesh, but spirit produces spirit. But the Holy Spirit gives birth to the spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are actually born of the Spirit. And this language is, has some imagery, and it really reveals in this story that maybe when Nicodemus comes at night, you can imagine this scene. He's standing at the door, and, and in the night, the wind is howling past, and Jesus is saying, just how this wind is blowing right now, and you can't grab hold of it, so the Spirit moves and brings life. You see, Nicodemus lived a life that he wanted to grab hold of what it was like to have brand new life. See, I can control what I do, so I've got it. I've got it in my hands. And Jesus was saying, if you think you can accomplish this new life, you've missed the whole point. If you think new life is produced by what you do, you don't know, and you need a refresh. He was saying, it's like trying to grab the wind. So what is he saying? You're really saying what Peter said. We weren't born of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed. And that's literally a visual of, of sexual relations. And it's like a woman opening her life to her husband. That's what this word is talking about. So if you're trying to grab hold of the spirit, you gotta open up your life and receive the spirit. That's what he's inviting him into. And let's keep going. So don't be surprised when I say you've got to be born again. Verse 7, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you cannot explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus said. Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things? I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you don't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can, I possibly, how can you possibly believe me if I tell you about heavenly things? No one's ever come to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life." That's a lot. I could sit on this for like a month and a half, but there's so much to talk about right here. Because think about one of the first things that he comes and says. Nicodemus wasn't actually somebody who didn't believe Jesus. He's saying, hey, listen, I believe you. And if you look at John chapter 2, at the very end of that chapter, it says that Jesus was doing all these miracles. And it says many people began to believe him because of the miraculous things that he did. But what does it say next? But Jesus didn't believe in them because he knew their hearts. 
Nicodemus is one who begun to believe. So when he comes at night, it's a revelation of the heart. I don't want other people to see me do this right yet. But we know, Jesus, we know, we know you're something special. And you've come here to teach us some more things. You're teaching us things. Teach me more. He welcomes him to teach him more. Why? So he can understand more. So he can grab hold of more. And Jesus takes him off his high horse. So you can't, go, you can't get any more. you got to receive. You can't grab hold of nothing. And here's the reality. The start over is evident. Listen to this. Start over or refresh is evident by life change. It's evident by your behavior, but it's not because of your behavior. Life change is evidence of a refresh, but it is not the reason for the refresh. You cannot behavior your way there. And this is exactly what St. Augustine, uh, who was born in like 350 A.D., happened in his life. And if you read about St. Augustine, he was like a great theologian. But before he was a theologian, he was a philosopher. And before he became a Christian, he was basically a sex addict. He had a concubine. And after he meets Jesus, he's walking down the street and he passes one of his ladies that he had previously been with several times. And he gave her common courtesy. He, he was polite and kind. And she walked past and she thought, like, what? who is this? And he said, she said, St. Augustine, Augustine, not St. Augustine, it is I. And he said, ah, I know, but it is not I. You see, St. Augustine encountered the truth of the gospel of Jesus, and he was radically transformed. He didn't go through reformation. He went through transformation. He had been transformed by the good news of this Jesus that I'm talking about today. It wasn't a behavior change, although he behaviorally changed. He had encountered the king. Martin Luther, he said something very similar. And Martin Luther was a, was a monk of the strictest order. And here's how God does different. He meets, he meets downright like sex addicts, but he meets people who are in the highest order of religion as well but he does it two different ways. Before I talk about uh, Martin Luther, I was just thinking about St. Augustine was actually reached uh, because he was walking in the garden contemplating all the stuff he was working through in his philosophy and he was getting to this really down place. He's walking through a garden. He hears a child sing, read something, read something, something like that. And he goes back to his house and he has this books that he's all been reading and he's got some uh, writings from Paul and he opens that up and as soon as he reads this, it talks about behavior. And I think I have it here. Hold on one second. He read uh, Romans 13. It says, uh, it, he said, uh, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in lust, wantonness, not in quarrels, rivalries, rather arm yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Spend no more thought on nature and nature's appetites. When he read that, he says, no further would I read, nor needed I. For instantly, at the end of the sentence, by a light as it were of serenity infused into my heart and all the darkness of doubt went away and it vanished. He had this moment where he looked at the word and he was like, I know it's true. I don't know how I know it, but I know it. He's got this transformative experience. Martin Luther said something very similar. 
He said that he was laboring over Romans 1.17, where he says the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel. That's what the verse talks about. Listen to what, listen to what Martin Luther says. I took this verse to mean that righteousness comes when God punishes the unrighteous. But I had no confidence that my own heart could ever assuage God. When I start thinking about the righteous judgment of God coming, how can I stand? Then I grasped that the righteousness of God is that righteousness through sheer mercy and grace that God gives to us through faith. Thereupon, listen to this, I felt myself be reborn when I saw that the law and the gospel were two different things. He says, I broke through. Some of us need a breakthrough. Some of us need a refresh today. And I pray in the place where you are dried up because you have been working so hard to please God or attain that new goal or get as high as you can or become the better version of you and you just come to Jesus, let him meet you right where you are. Whether you're a sex addict today or whether you're a religious high horse person, I don't care. He wants to meet you right where you are. And so, as we continue down, I want to pause and I want to go back to 1 John now. 1 John helps us understand a little bit about the person who has received this refresh. And he's giving evidence to the earliest churches of what is going to happen to your life when you have this breakthrough, when you have this refresh, okay? And here's where I want to pick up in 1 John 1. I want to start in verse 7, guys. I want to start in verse 7. Check it out. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, now remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus about light. John's helping us understand the message that Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. If we're living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sins. If we claim that we have no sin, listen to this, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. When I talk about people being born again, when I talk about being born again, many people want to go toward behavior. He's saying, don't you understand? The more you walk in this thing right here, check this out. I brought this. This is one of my favorite toys. I love my tools, you know? But when this light shines on me in this way, what happens? Let's describe it together. What happens when this kind of light shines upon me? Let's describe it. What happens? 
Huh? I'm glowing. What else? You can see me clearly. Clearer than before, in fact, right? And if you get closer, you can check out all my pores, you know what I mean? You can see the wrinkles in my face better. You can see how my lines indent. You can see me better. For some of us, this would be horrifying to be seen better. Anybody? But, listen this and listen. If you understand the message of the true gospel, then here's the reality. I'm far worse off than I ever knew and ever will know. Can you imagine finding new problems or new sinful things in your life all the way through? Anybody just tired of that? Come on. We good? Everybody good? We just in it? It's making sense? <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Getting insecure up here, you know what I mean? <laughs> this light is beaming on me. <laughs> like in my fly down or something, you know? No. I stepped up to a wedding one time and it, that was down. Can you? Bad moments, you know? But this light, the longer you look at me, the closer you get, the more you're going to see about me that's not all put together. But the truth of this message is I'm far worse than I will ever know, and I'm going to discover it more and more. But here's the other side. I'm far more loved than I could have ever dreamed as well. And so as people of light, when you get close to what Jesus said, there is no room for you to hide. So when he shows up to Nicodemus, Nicodemus had a, a shadow of a life and a portrayal to everybody. This guy's got it together. But I promise you, Nicodemus laid his head down and he said, boy, ah, oof. I don't always want to do it though. He knew himself. Some of us today know ourselves. And if you'll step into the light of what Jesus says, there's nowhere for you to hide. And if you find yourself wanting to do this because you're embarrassed, you come into the truth of the gospel that you bring him all that you are and you open up to him, he will reveal these things and the healing message is not this. It is not so you have broken the Sabbath. Well, you better do better next time. It is when you find yourself breaking these rules, here's what has to happen. I see the shadow of my life. Oh my goodness, what do I do? I understand that God has seen me perfectly. He has loved me in the midst of it, and he didn't overlook my sin. Do not miss it. He didn't overlook it. He died for it. He died for it. He paid the price for it. So every single day, y'all, if you say you don't have any sin, you are lying to yourself. If you think you stand before God, proud of yourself, you need to hear his words of Nicodemus, you must be born again, you need a refresh. But if you find yourself a broken mess, he says, come to me, let my light shine upon you, and I will love you right where you are. Open your life to me, hide no more, child. Let me shine on you that life may be found. And he describes this life in the next verse of John 3, 16. I'm going to ask that band to come, and we're going to close with song. But he finishes out 
that verse before I get blind, y'all. I can't even see. But he finishes by saying this, John 3, 16. For this is how God has loved the world. He gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Do you know that God loves the entire world? He loves them far more than we could ever imagine. He loves them far more. And here's the truth. His sacrifice is great enough for the entire world, not just you. So it is for your neighbor. It is for your family member that you despise. It is for your friends. It is for your coworkers. It is for your children. This message will transform your life if you open up your life to the, the light of Jesus, not the light of religion, not the other lights that claim to help you. Jesus. And let Jesus be lifted up and raised up. Now, I want to close with this idea. Jesus meets every person in the scriptures differently. He met the woman at the well, who was most likely a very promiscuous woman. He meets her, tells her this prophetic word all about her life, and she is blown away instantly, has this radical transformation of a life. Goes into the town, and you know the story, tells about this guy who told me everything. Could this be the guy? Radically transformed. He meets Nicodemus at night and confronts him hard. He didn't do that to the woman at the well. He loved her. He was gentle with her. He was kind. But Nicodemus, who thought he had it together, I'll tell you the truth. You need a refresh, and everything you've worked for, it don't matter. It's brutal. It meets everybody in a different place, and everybody has a different encounter with him. It plays out a little different. So maybe you've been radically transformed by the Spirit of God. You've opened up your life to the Holy Spirit, and boom, you've had some kind of crazy thing. Awesome. I don't believe Nicodemus had that. I believe he was one of those different guys who was very steady, possibly more engineer type, maybe a surgeon. Steady, he understood, very learned. I have never seen this in all of my life at the end of John. John 19, 39. After Jesus dies, look at this. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrhs and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. This same guy who showed up under the guise of night was confronted in his self-righteousness, blasted, really. <laughs> You're telling me my life didn't matter? A lot of people, when they're confronted by Jesus, they go, well, I, I, I need a different Jesus, you know what I mean? Like that was too. Nicodemus, not him. He shows up after Jesus pulled off the cross. And what's fascinating about this is I studied this. He brought 75 pounds. We skim over that unless you really study the passage. But the only people who were buried with this amount of spices was royalty, kings. 
Do you know what Nicodemus was saying? I saw this man lifted up on the pole, and I looked upon him, and I was healed, and he was a king. And if you will make Jesus your king, if you will open up your grasp and stop trying to grasp to get to him, and if you will let him come to you, you will open up your life to the spirit of the living God. He will enter in and he will bring the life that you were searching to try to create yourself. But listen, just like the wind, you cannot grab hold of this life. You must receive it. And his name is Jesus. If you say yes to Jesus, then he can enter in and bring a transformative experience, not a reformation experience for you. Some of us were taught reformation. You need transformation. I'll speak the words of Jesus, which was true light. And this light is the light of men. This light is the truth. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to God except through me. So do you need access to God? And you've been trying to work your way there like Nicodemus? Maybe you're proud of your efforts. You started waking up early and you're reading more, you're praying more, you're doing these more. And I tell you the truth, you need a refresh. Worship the king who has opened the door for you to step closer. And then when you stay in this posture, y'all, when you stay right here, you will find yourself being more and more revealed. I'm more sinful than I could have ever imagined. And if you say you don't have any sin in your life, you deceive yourself. Do not deceive yourself any longer, but bring your sinful baggage to the king and bring it right into the light and let him love you right where you are. Every day, every moment, what do you do with this information? Would you practice worshiping now? Practice worshiping, practice saying thank you. When you see the brokenness in your life, don't go down into the hole, bring it into the light. I recognize that you paid my price right here. Thank you. Start saying thank you. Watch your life radically transform and step right into the light and you'll find yourself all of a sudden helping those around you. Would you bow your heads with me? What has the king said to you today? Pay attention. Pay attention to what spoke to your heart, not just your mind. It's like a fire in your heart when he speaks to you. It resonates deep, 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 deep. Maybe you walked in here thinking, I'm good, I'm good. Would you right where you are, just ask him to speak to you because he sees you. He sees you maybe definitely more than you even know, more than you see yourself. Would you say, Father, would you, would you show me maybe the place of shadow that I don't even see as a shadow? Show me. What is it? And then listen. Listen, be very sensitive to the first thing that pops in your mind. He wants to tell you that. You're praying according to his will, so he will answer. Believe him to answer those prayers. Now, what do we do with the thing that he reveals to you? What we just talked about. See what happened to the one who was raised up on the pole. He was raised up on the pole to be the sacrifice, to be the payment for you and I in those places of the shadows that we didn't even see. Bring those to him at the cross and let them be nailed there 
and in fact left there and then stand with open arms, fresh and new, revived and filled with his joy and say thank you and watch your life transform. Father, I pray over everybody in this room today. Those of us who need a refresh in the room, you want to give it to them like a waterfall from heaven. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't sit with arms crossed today. But God, we would open our hands to you, knowing that you have seen us all along, even the things we don't want to admit that you've seen. You've seen. And God, we open up our life to you. And we say, shine, shine, shine on us. Heal our hearts, God, in ways that we can't heal ourselves. God, heal the one in the room today that's hurt by somebody else and covering up with alcohol to try to ease that pain, God. I pray for supernatural healing in the heart today from the spouse who's wounded a spouse by cheating on the other. Oh God, I pray that you bring restoration of relationship in this room today. God, I pray for the one who is down on themselves because they're not waking up and spending time with you. God, I pray that you would be their alarm clock in the morning. They'll wake up with joy, not down, but up because of what you've done, not what they do. God, I pray for the one who's struggling in their job today. God, that you would bring like the waterfall of heaven down upon their life, like Ezekiel 36 and 7. You would breathe into dry bones. And as they go into those places, God, you will bring life to them and you will bring life to that workplace, God. Open their eyes that they would not live a blind life anymore, but they would wake up and understand that you have called them to their post and you have sent them into that place, God, to be your hands and feet, oh God. I pray that you would revive your people, God, that we would no longer strive toward you, but we would let you strive toward us. And we would receive the healing from heaven that you want to give every single one of us. Oh God, open up our hearts to trust you and not ourselves. May we step into the light and admit that you are the truth and we are not, God. I pray for rebirth today. I pray that you would breathe on dry bones in this room today. I pray that you would awaken people to worship today. And you would send us out as worshipers, not as workers. And as we worship, we will naturally go to work, oh God. Call us into your work. And set us on fire, God. Come, Holy Spirit, come. And as those of us who open up our lives to you, God, I pray for a fresh wind from heaven to come upon every soul in this room, oh God. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your work. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is the light of men. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We say thank you. Would you stand with us and now let's worship. If you need prayer today, come have prayer. And let's pray over those wounded places in your life. Let's admit sin and stop admitting or thinking that we don't got it. So if you need to admit sin, we're going to stand right here. Come admit. Be healed. Be whole. Receive today. And come. Let's worship the King.